right, we're going to continue in our study of the book of Genesis. We skipped chapter 3 because I needed chapter 4 today. So we'll go back to 3 next week. Um, this is the story of Cain and Abel. And it's uh, Adam and Eve's two boys, uh, their first two boys. And, of course, Cain's going to kill Abel. So we're going to, we're going to talk about this uh, importance of life uh, issue. So I've explained to you that there is forgiveness. There's always hope. Uh, but... We have to be truthful about what the Bible actually says. You are in a church of probably one out of every 50 churches in America that will stand for life. In fact, 50% stand against it. They're actually pro-abortion. If you can help me understand that in any conceivable way from the Bible, uh, when, when God talks about these babies being precious and the babies are always a gift from him, but we live in a very depraved World, And so we're going to break this down. But before we do, i got to tell you, I, I was in the Dominican Republic this week, and it's, it's a crazy place there. Uh, we have two churches that we uh, sponsor and built. Uh, we have an eye clinic that's doing really well. And what we went for is to build a building uh, on the side of one of the churches to um, rescue children from sex trafficking. And it is very bad in the Dominican Republic. Prostitution, sex trafficking. And so we literally laid out a building. We told them we'd pay for it. Uh, they're going to, they're going to do the sweat equity and actually build it. I'll tell you more about that project later. But Pastor Greg on our staff, uh, booked the flights and he said, listen, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose a day. So Monday morning, last Monday morning, we have a 506 flight out of Orlando. Up at 2, at the airport at 3, to catch a 5.06 flight. We don't want to lose the day. It wasn't even light when we landed in Santo Domingo, okay? We get into Santo Domingo, and, you know, the place is crazy. And as soon as we get there, we go to pick up our luggage, and this lady in front of us just passes out right there on the luggage carousel. Probably from lack of sleep, that's my guess. But it was pretty tragic, really. But... Turned out okay. She came around. <laughs> I had to go to the Dominican to use that joke. All right. So, all right. That'd be the last time we'll uh, we'll probably get a chance to laugh. So, with you're like, well, the Supreme Court made this decision, so we don't have any problems anymore, right? 2021, here's the number. Uh, this is a global number, 43 million babies were executed in the womb. That's a global, not the United States, but we're a, a big player in that. Only seven countries in the world, now you think again, America's the Christian nation, right? Only seven countries allow elective abortions after 20 weeks. You expect it from Canada and the Netherlands. They're kind of way out there. China, North Korea, Vietnam, and Singapore. That's who we're allied with. What a, a tragedy. 43 million. That's one year. That's just one year. That was 2021. We live in a world where life has no value. And what I want to share with you today is a progression that you go through in your life when you make bad decisions. And I think everybody in the room will be able to identify this progression. Because whatever your struggle is and whatever your sin is, you've walked down this road. So if you'll stand out of respect for God's word, we will tackle Genesis chapter 4. 
It reads like this. Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Now let's pause just a moment. Because again, right out of the beginning pages of Genesis, God is so much smarter than all of the university professors in our country today. How did this baby come about? All right, first of all, a man and a woman. Who knew? You with me? And who else is involved? Okay, so every baby is a divine gift. No matter how it came about, no matter if it's the way you wanted it to work or not, every baby is a gift from God. A man, a woman, and God are involved in this process. And here's what's the crazy part. As soon as the baby was born, Eve was able to identify the fact that the baby was male. Who knew? How could she do that? In in our world today, people would be like, well, you can't know that. Well, it's just not that hard. Okay? I'm just telling you. All right? Moving on. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, God did not look with favor. So what happened? Cain gets angry, and his face is downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, he warns him, why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right. Now here's a revolutionary thought in a world that doesn't believe in absolutes. God says, if you do what's right, things will go well. Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Now check this response to God. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you, and you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. You can be seated. Now, there's a lot of examples in the Old Testament where God just knocked people dead. Why he lets Cain live, I really don't know. God has, God has a plan um, that's bigger than ours. But here's the progression that I'm going to walk you through. All right. First of all, you get to a point in your life where you violate God's word. You decide, you know what, I know what God's word says, but I'm not going to do it. Whether you go through that conscious, you know what, let's see, God says, no, I'm going to do this. No, you don't do that. But in your heart, you know, this is right and this is wrong and I shouldn't do this. You reject God's word. That's the first thing. Once once you violate God's word, it becomes very easy to violate God's people. Once you violate people, 
then it actually becomes easy to violate God. And we live in a culture today that has gotten to that last point, where they just violate God on a regular basis and feel no, no compulsion about it. So Cain starts by violating God's word. How does he violate God's word? All right. How does this start? He knows he's supposed to bring a blood sacrifice. This isn't the first party. This isn't the first day of sacrifice. In fact, I would guess every other time he's brought his brother's lambs. Either his brother gave him lambs to sacrifice because blood had to be sacrificed for sin. Or he could have swapped his brothers some carrots for some lambs. And he could have done that. But in his pride, he says, no, I'm going to give God what I want to give God, not what God requires of me. Now, none of us would ever do that, would we? I know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says about tithing. I know what it says about serving. I know what it says about forgiving. But I'm going to do it my way. Now, here's where we become a whole lot like Cain. So, we make decisions that we know are absolutely against the word of God. And then when things go south, we blame God for what happened. Anybody? Just me. We make decisions that we know are wrong. Cain knew he was making a wrong decision. But then he's angry at God and Abel, his brother. What what his brother do? Just the right thing. But because his brother was doing the right thing, he gets angry at him. Now, there's so many questions here that are, that are second grade questions, so I'm going to answer them. You know, people like, where did Cain and Abel get their, their wives? This is a second grade question. They're sisters. The DNA line was absolutely pure at that time. And we're only listing three, three of the kids, but Adam and Eve might have had hundreds, hundreds of kids. They lived 900 years. We don't know. We have no idea how long they had children, but it's not difficult to process. In fact, science has proven that all genetics go back to two people, one male and one female. And yet the scientist in their brilliance said, the one thing we know for sure is that the two of those people never knew each other. Not real good with biology. But see, if they were to say that they knew each other, then they, they're looking at Adam and Eve right in the face and they can't, they can't go there. Well, the problem is you've got people who are out fighting for people not to be executed uh, who have murdered multiple people. And they're standing out there holding a sign that has Exodus 20 on it, thou shall not kill. But almost every one of those people doing that are all pro-abortion. Now what's crazy is this. If you know rudimentary Hebrew, it is you shall not take innocent life. If you can't tell the difference between an innocent unborn child and a mass murderer, there's more wrong with you in our culture than I even thought. All right, It's not that hard, is it? You shall not take innocent life. Proverbs chapter 6 says there's six things. No, there's seven things that the Lord hates. We're just going to read a couple of them. He detests haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Innocent blood. Right? We'll be accountable. You've heard me say this for 30 years. If you lived in the 19th and 20th century and you stand before God, other than your relationship with Jesus, I really believe God's going to say, where were you and what did you do to stop the Jewish Holocaust? If you live in the 20th and the 21st century, 
When you and I die, I believe with all my heart, God's going to say, where were you with Jesus? And then what did you do for this pro-life event? That's really what it comes down to. Uh, Mother Teresa said, it's a tragedy when a child has to die for us to live the way we want to live. And that's, that's the society, unfortunately, that we find ourselves in. Proverbs 24, 11 and 12. We got that one. Rescue those who are being led away to death. Hold back those being slaughtered, taken to slaughter. And we're not even talking about yet all the money that's being made and the part, and the baby parts that are being sold. And just, just a few weeks ago, there was a bill passed for $585 million of our grandchildren's tax dollars on top of the billions we're already paying to abort children if it's going to affect the biodiversity of the land where the children live. In other words, it's a blank check and you and I are just paying to kill babies around the world. Now how long do you think God's going to stay silent? You don't think this country is paying a price and that we're living under a curse? Take a look what happened in our cities and you ask yourself if you don't think we're paying a price. Go back and look at where this country was the day Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973 to where we are now. Take a look at what's happened to the economy. Take a look at what's happening to the inflation rate. Take a look at all the crime statistics. You will see the moment we turned our back on God, you will see that God took a step away from the United States. Now look, this has always been personal to me. Enough of you know it doesn't make any difference. So today's, today's my birthday. So I was 10 years old when Roe versus Wade. Just make checks to my wife. Um, when I got called into ministry, I knew that God had also called me to this topic. I mean, it was no, I, I could have been one of those statistics. A lot of us could have been those statistics. And so since the very beginning, I have spoken up loudly about this topic and very honestly and truthful and never thought that my country would be where I find it today. But nonetheless, here we are. Francis Chan made this statement. He said, a lot of preachers today will say, we don't want to preach fire and brimstone. I'm not sure that's the phrase I want either. But they say, we just want to preach love. And Francis Chan says, that's great. Just understand, you're not preaching what Jesus preached, what John the Baptist preached, what Paul preached, what Peter preached, or what any of the prophets preached. Because they didn't preach love, they preached truth. So if you want to, and, and Jesus said, if they hated me, what do you think they're going to do to you? So we're going to stand out against the world, okay? It's okay. It's okay. But somebody has got to stand up and defend unborn life and speak up. And, you know, praise God for Tony Dungy. You know, with all the media, all the NFL, everybody writing that man. He goes to Washington pro-life and said, talked about DeMar Hamlin, the situation. We canceled the NFL game. And, and even somebody on ESPN prayed. I mean, come on. Uh, but he said, if DeMar's life matters then so does every other life matter. Frankie Schaefer, you may or may not know that name. If you're old, you might know Francis. And Edith Schaefer ran a great ministry out of Switzerland back in the 70s. But their son Frankie was an evangelical preacher. Now he's totally rejected Christ, rejected the Bible, and 
he's going to hell. It's pretty ugly, the stuff that Frankie's saying these days. But 30 years ago, I heard Frankie speak. He was right then, and he's dead wrong now. But here's what he said 30 years ago. He said, if there's one child's life that's not worth living, then we don't have a God. Because God himself is the author of life. Am I right? So the first thing that happened, God violated God's word. Then he violates his brother. Once, once he had blown off what God said, it, now it's easy. Now this has never happened before. We've had animals killed. We know that because we're sacrificing animals. Hebrews 9 says we don't have to do that anymore uh, because Jesus paid the price. But it does tell us in Hebrews 9, 22 and 27 that without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness at all. So that's why Jesus died to forgive all mankind's sins. All. All. There's no, there's, there's no prohibitors there. All are, all can be saved. Alright? That's an incredible thing. But we have, we have set apart in our time and lost this idea of the value of life. Because once you reject God's word, why does your life matter? You shouldn't shoot your neighbor. Why? You shouldn't shoot your classmate. Why? You got no moral ground. You just told me there's no moral absolutes, but now you're trying to tell me there's things I shouldn't do. You can't do that to people. And we live in a culture, and you take a look at what's happening in our cities in America. They're just a little ahead of the rest of the country. And what you're seeing is a free fall without a God and moral center in the culture. Psalm 127, David said it this way, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children are a reward. Is that how we see children? All children, not just your children, my children, all children. And then the last step is you violate God. And this is where it really turns bad for you and for me or anybody who gets into this spot you say i know what god's word says i can handle it i know i i know i can now violate people so who's next god god even tries to warn cain before he starts this whole process god comes to cain and says dude why are you so angry now this is not reading the bible and praying this is face to face right we're still face to face with god God shows up and says, Cain, why are you so angry? If you do the right thing, wouldn't you get the right result? But he said, you need to know that sin is crouching at your door. And it is looking to kill you. Now let me help you. I have three dogs that I dislike. All right. <laughs> but my dogs, my dogs do not crouch. My 90-pound bulldog lies down. You sweep under him, you vacuum under him, you step over him. But he lays there. He doesn't crouch at my door. What crouches at your door? A cat. A lion, a tiger, a leopard, very dangerous big cats. Cats crouch at your door. So the idea here is God tells Cain, listen, if you do right, things are going to be okay. If you don't do right, right outside that door is this lion. Peter uses the phrase. He says, Satan roams around like a, roam, a roaring lion. Yeah. 
And he said, if you open that door, it's going to change everything. How many times have we opened the door thinking, you know what, I can handle that cat. And once we open the door, everything breaks loose. And then he has the audacity, first of all, to lie to God. I don't know where my brother is. And then he says, am I my brother's keeper? Are you kidding me? A great restraint on God because I'm just like, you know what I mean? Great restraint on God's part at this point. One of his earliest creations is going to look him in the face and say that? Well, first of all, God doesn't even answer him because the answer is yes. So you're telling me these 43 million babies I'm responsible for? Yeah, I am. Every one of them. Some way or the other, we're responsible. Can I help them all? No. Can I help 10, 1, 5, 3? Yeah, I can And if every Christian would man up, and I don't, no offense, ladies, if we would serve and give and do what we ought to do, we could change this. And it's, and nobody else is going to change it. It is totally up to the church. Who could have imagined, who could have imagined people protesting, screaming and yelling, begging to, for the privilege to kill their own children? It is the craziest thing that I can imagine. Job said this. He said, did not he who made in the womb. Now let's talk about this. How many did it take to have a baby? Adam and Eve and the Lord. Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both in our mothers? There's male, there's female, and there's a divine spark of God that takes place. So every single child is divinely inspired by God, regardless of how they got here. Here's an Irish word. If you're Irish, you can, you can correct me because I am no good at uh, pronunciation. But uh, Beogan Broth. Any Irish? I'll translate. It is for a pregnant woman. And the phrase means alive but not born yet. That's the word they use for a pregnant child. Alive, but not born yet. Well, we could go on. Where do we want to go? Well, I think you get the point. I just pray that you will not just take it in, but you'll say, I need to do my part. Everything's out there in the lobby. You do what God puts on your heart. Um, I pray this is our biggest special offering of the year that we just blow this away and we're able to bless these ministries it does it bother me yeah it bothers me that billions of dollars of my tax dollars are stolen to kill babies and i have to beg for pennies yeah it bothers me but if that's what we have to do it's what we have to do i'll finish with this here's the same baby just a few days later in the same place inside outside Father, I pray that as we finish, that you would speak to our hearts. I have no idea here in Ormond. I have no idea in the land. I have no idea who's watching online. That one baby that's going to be spared because they're a gift. I have no idea the babies that are going to be spared because of our stepping up. I pray that people's hearts are being shattered right now. That they're thinking, how could I have ever thought... 
anything else. So, Father, as the author of life, the giver of life, I ask that you would speak to each one of us in Jesus' name.